Welcome to Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, Army Ranger, real estate investor, and income enthusiast. On this show, we uncover the keys to attaining financial freedom. There are so many people listening right now who are stuck in that day-to-day, nine-to-five rat race. Luckily, it's only temporary. Each week, we bring on guests that help us discover the steps to build financial freedom, passive income, and generational wealth, so we can live the life we were born to live. Money is freedom. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, and today's guest is Raju Datla. Raju spent over 25 years in the IT profession as a software developer. He later transitioned to be a real estate investor, both passively and actively, in Airbnb and tax deed investing. Raju has also become very active in the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency marketplace. He is passionate about personal development, mindset, and being spiritual. Wealth Science, I bring you an authentic, just kind-hearted human being, Raju Datla. Welcome to the show, brother. What's going on? Thank you, Jesse. That was a real, uh, you know, kind introduction, by the way, talking about kind. (laughs) Um, Well, I'm excited about talking to you, man, because I've been going in a rabbit hole with Bitcoin. Uh, You know, being an IT geek, knew about Bitcoin back in crypto back in 29, 2009, 2010, whenever Bitcoin was pretty much created. But I poo-pooed it. Now I'm a big believer. So anyway, let's go. <laughs> Raju, again, thank you, brother. I appreciate you taking the time to come on today. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of your podcast, all the great content that you push on social media, your YouTube channel. It's phenomenal. So for the people who don't know who you are, Raju, I mean, if you could take a couple minutes and just give us your background and introduce yourself. Sure. So going back briefly, I, I, I guess, you know, I'll start from the beginning. I came to U.S. back in 92, 30 years ago now, for master's in computer science. I, I, I got undergrad computer science, essentially dual degree. So, yeah, most of my career was spent in IT till 2017. Uh, dabbled in startups, um, software development, to leadership roles, so on and so forth. 27, 2017, I decided to go entrepreneurship route. Uh, various reasons, personal reasons, uh, you know, my family situation changed, basically got divorced and was looking at options. And then got introduced to essential services business, which had a lot of real estate investors, realtors involved. And that's how I got into real estate because I was networking with a lot of them. And fast forward now, same thing, you know, got introduced to personal development, became a fanatic about it. You know, I read a lot of books and read the same books multiple times, actually. Um, And uh, yeah, uh, COVID-19 changed my mindset about crypto. So I finally started investing in crypto just about four or five months ago, essentially, I would say, four or five months ago, finally decided, okay, I can't wait any longer. I dug, went into a deep rabbit hole. And, uh, you know, so I decided, okay, I'll do real estate investing for sure. But I'm also diversifying with crypto because it's an asset. No longer, it's it's not about a currency. So, so here I am, you know, still, uh, you know, doing both my essential services business and my real estate. And I'm still full-time IT consultant. 
and yeah, I do podcast and LinkedIn content. LinkedIn is more content is more. Uh, that's what I'm more fan of because it's a lot of like-minded people you get to meet like you. You know, you're doing amazing things. I mean, in a short while, your podcast grew pretty rapidly. So it's awesome to see that young guy like you. Well, you're a very young guy, like, uh, you know, <laughs> compared to me. So <laughs> I think uh, I think the first time you and I spoke, Roger, I don't know if you remember, it was probably like six or nine months ago, but we flip oh. on the Zoom screens. And I think like me just being a little bit like on the younger side, I think the first like se- sentence out of your mouth was like, wow, you're really young, which was <laughs> funny. I, I'm just recalling like the first time we spoke. Right. Um, the, the first thing I wanted to unpack here, and I'm, I'm super interested. So when you originally got into real estate, Raju, mm-hmm. was it from the passive or was it from the active side? Passive, mostly passive. Uh, I didn't know anything about real. I mean, other than buying my own houses and getting burned three times, essentially. Um, I didn't know my, much about real estate investing. Someone I knew uh, in the services business, uh, essentially he did say owner financing and he was a big time investor in Dallas Fort Worth area and he's done about 10,000 houses. So it, his 30 year career, right? So I just knew him, he helped me out. So I trusted him. I just gave him the money pretty much. I just got that money back recently, plus whatever I made passive cash flow. Uh, that was my first. And then two others recently I did with a friend of mine uh, locally. Same thing, single family right now. And then the latest is now I got into a coaching program, uh, Tax Deed. Uh, my first hopefully will come, uh, I'm hoping in, uh, in, in a couple of weeks because I've been at it for two months now. It takes time to get uh, properties. You bid for properties and or you put your name in for properties and then you get properties. So now I'm waiting for my first deal. Um, once I start getting those, then the goal is by mid next year, I'll have an option of quitting my job. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's a goal of a lot of people is how can we completely replace our active income with passive income and, and you're well on the trajectory to do that. Looking back from, you know, your first passive investment to where it's kind of evolved to today, you know, I, I speak to people all the time, Raju, who are like, Jesse, I, I love real estate, but I don't have the time to invest, or I don't care to put up with the tenants or wake up at two o'clock in the morning to fix toilets. What what advice do you have for them, Raju, when it comes to getting their feet in the door for passively investing in real estate? I mean, were you, you know, reading books, listening to podcasts, I mean, vetting sponsors, could you just briefly kind of talk through how you've done that um, over the last few years? So that's my strength has been my networking. So I've met a lot of people. Uh, and one of the things I do is always make connections to people if I can, if I know somebody and then I know somebody else that might be benefit from that. So anyway, it's everything has been through my network, personal connections. So that's how I got into it. And talking to them, I learned a lot of stuff. Red books, I mean, bigger pockets. I mean, that's one of my favorite shows. So I watch that. You know, it's one of the shows because I watch a lot of personal development shows. So, you know, you name it, I know pretty much everyone in the personal development space. But uh, as far as real estate, mostly bigger pockets. Um, so that's what led me to more maybe reading a couple of books like uh, David Green's, you know, long distance investing, because at one point I was thinking of doing that. Um, because one of the things is I did Airbnb. So I've successfully created a system, you know, basically I took a course from Brian Page is 
rental arbitrage. And that was a pretty good deal. We did pretty well, except the house was too many issues. Anyway, fast forward, I was thinking of doing it. I already had plans to do it in multifamily. Do the same thing because I know a lot of syndicators. That's my network now, a lot of syndicators. So I was planning to do that before I came across tax deed, which was just too lucrative to pass out. So now I pivoted a little bit, but the, still I'll be doing rental and Airbnb on that. And then obviously because of the network, that's where my opportunities are to dump money passively into other deals like, like come across that are not in that Airbnb or rental, you know, the tax deed investing space. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love the idea of just how much you're kind of diversifying. And it's not just, you know, one asset within real estate. It's, you know, Airbnb or single family. It's, you know, maybe multifamily here and there, or maybe further down the road. And then the tax deed things, people don't understand. I completely agree how lucrative that is. We could have an episode, Raji, just talking about tax deeds and how lucrative it is. So that's mm -hmm. awesome. I, I'd love to have you back on and, and talk that part. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I love the diversification piece and I think it's super important networking and, and really building that trust with the right sponsor and syndicator, mm -hmm. um, you know, who you're going to trust that trust your money with this super important. So I, right. I, I think that was a great answer. So I appreciate that. I wanted to pivot just a little bit and kind of start gearing towards like the cryptocurrency Bitcoin discussion. Mm -hmm. So I, I know you've only been in it for a couple of months now, but I know you've, you know, you've researched the crap out of this thing and mm -hmm. you're, you're in it every single day. So, you know, take us back four or five months, um, Raju, what was kind of the original interest for you to start looking towards the cryptocurrency space? Well, actually not for five months. So I, it took me a while to jump into investing because I'm always, you know, do my, I guess, due diligence in the sense like crypto, because crypto is such such a volatile thing if you don't know, know what you're doing, right? So I was listening to basically a couple of guys. I'll rattle out names and I would highly recommend anybody to, you know, Google them and go listen to them. Raul Paul, Robert Breedlow, Michael Saylor, and just now I listen, and then Tom Bilyeu. Tom Bilyeu is the guy I've listened to most in the sense that he's interviewing a lot of people and they're jumping into NFT. Uh, his company is pivoting. He, he was the guy who created a billion dollar, you know, nutrition, Quest Nutrition. And now he's pivoting right now, evidently. He just announced it recently to, into NFT because he's believed so much in crypto now. So anyway, those are the people. So I started listening to them and then I started digging. So there's two versions to, you know, stop me when you want, because I can, this can go long, right? <laughs> uh, so one of the things I've learned is, you know, Bitcoin by itself is a different beast versus the rest of the crypto. Bitcoin is more the gold, kind of replacing gold standard versus rest of the crypto is more value-based. Like Ethereum, everything is built right now. Most, most of the you know, security tokens, NFTs, a lot of them are being built on Ethereum platform. And Ether is the token there. That's what you pay for, you know, not to go into the details. That's why it's valuable. So it's the second most valuable coin. Rest of the coins are trying to catch up with Ethereum, basically, or there are this, you know, the fake coins like Dogecoin, which is just useless, really, other than people hyping it up, uh, there's no real value to it. 
And then like stuff like you know, Shiba, I actually invested in Shiba INU, which became a big thing. I made three times my money, but I only put $400. You know, some of these coins, you just put like a, you know, expensive dinner money. And if it <laughs> hits, you hit big. If not, hey, you know, you lost a lost couple of dinners, you know? <laughs> so that's how I look at it. But each time I look at a crypto, I look at what it's doing. Like, are they creating some kind of value? Um, you know, like, uh, let's say, um, I forgot what, you know, let, let's go, you know, Polkadot. So Polkadot is an exchange. I forget the exact what it does, but it has a value. It does some work for crypto as far as uh, specific uh, functionality is concerned. Same thing with Ether, obviously, Ethereum, you know, all these you know, security tokens that are being built. like, you know, real estate now is going security token. I know of someone who's already doing single family security tokens. Each single family is divided into $50 tokens. And you can get cash flow on that. This is this oh. is crazy. And I, I hate interrupting guests, but I was just <laughs> reading about this the other day. And mm -hmm. um, there's people out there, and I think it's being referred to as like the tokenization of real estate. Uh -huh. I, I, I don't know if I said that correctly or not, but yes. it's super, super intriguing. Mm -hmm. And um, it's crazy to see like what the future could hold in, in real estate when it comes to, because I think what a barrier of entry for mm -hmm. a lot of people out there is like, Hey, Jesse, I'd love to passively invest in real estate, but I don't have $25,000. Right. Well, now the future of tokenization of real estate, it could be, well, I have $50. Oh, I can buy one token yeah. on this apartment building and collect the cash flow from that. It's, it's super interesting. I don't know if you have anything else to add on that, but I find it really intriguing. Yeah, it is. Same thing. I mean, I don't know how it will translate in commercial because they're still trying to figure that out. But single family, they have already done it because I know someone who has already done it buying i don't know you have thousand dollars to invest and you make can make maybe six percent seven percent eight percent cash flow on it a thousand dollars i mean you can own a piece of property and then if it appreciates you get money back and technically you can sell the token too if you want the money back so that's i mean i i think that's awesome yeah, I, I, I agree. And it's like, what does the future hold? Could it be, you know, an apartment building broken up into like a million tokens or what, you know, who, who knows, but it, yeah. it's crazy for sure. Um, I, I wanted to hit you with just a quick question. And this is a really novice cryptocurrency question, but I still don't have a full understanding of it. Could you sure. just explain what an NFT is, Raju, in like most like kindergarten level, like skill level one terms? Sure, it's non-fungible token. Basically, I mean, it can be attributed to many things. Like Tom, you know, recently Tom Brady was on the show. He was saying he, whatever is a record touchdown, he made it an NFT. So basically, NFT is, let's say you have an artwork, I don't know, Mona Lisa, right? And you make it into a token, and then that can be traded because it can be corrected because of the blockchain. Not to get into too deep into it, but basically non-fungible token because it's not, you cannot, you know, steal it. You cannot copy it because it's unique because of the signature, all, you know, uh, blockchain uh, attached to it. So that's uh, non-fungible. What the implementations are incredible going on right now, like, you know, you got uh, football teams giving out non-NFTs, yeah, artwork, games. I mean, technically, the you know security token is a non-fungible token. Basically, it's what it is, right, in a way. 
So same thing, real estate investing. So tokens, basic security tokens. So that's uh, you know that's where it's mind blowing where it's going to go. I mean, there I've heard so many things. I have no idea. Like you know, because real estate in the virtual world, metaverse, is getting crazy. I've heard like somebody bought a real estate in metaverse for three point five million or something. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, so that's where you know that's basically a non fungible token because it's real estate created. It's a piece of real estate essentially virtual which is a token and that cannot be duplicated or you know um you cannot steal it yeah i find it super interesting and i've also read that article on the piece of virtual land that sold for 3.5 million or something along those lines and it's like man to own virtual i love owning real estate to own virtual real estate it's like i know this is coming i gotta start getting smart on it i gotta increase my literacy because even though we're laughing at it now raju who knows in five ten years it could be the new you know nobody's buying like dirt anymore we're buying virtual real estate so i've always got to i've got to be ahead of the tidal wave on that um but i i had a question in regards to kind of the concept of fiat money and how that all plays into this could you just kind of break down you know decentralized versus centralized why bitcoin is such a great investment in being a decentralized asset as opposed to something that's centralized like the us dollar for you know people who might not understand so it is a, that's the rabbit hole I went to. I mean, again, I would recommend Robert Breedlow on mm-hmm. this one and Michael Saylor, you know, both. And uh, actually Raul Paul did a real two and a half dissertation on the whole money system to where Bitcoin to metaverse, where it's heading. So I would highly recommend that. I'm just going to break it down into simple, you know, my understand what I have known, uh, know now. Um, but it won't be the complete explanation. So everybody knows fiat currency or the original currency was gold. And that was, you know, essentially, I don't know, 1970, right? Whenever Nixon. Yeah, 1971, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Abandoned gold. But technically there was gold uh, uh, evidently abandoned in World War One, somewhere in World War One, technically. So, so fast forward now. 90%, the fact is at least 90% of the dollars that exist is digital, technically. So we're talking about crypto and thinking, oh, digital currency. No, we're already doing digital currency right now. So all the dollars that exist, only 10%, actually it might be much lower than that, but let's go 10% of actual paper money exists. And what is it? Was it? What is it backed by? Nothing. I mean, it's by debt. And if you, I, that's what I was hearing today, like understanding it, was basically government creates debts to debt to create money. You create. I mean, the banks create money out of thin hair, thin air. And going way back when the federal was formed, Federal Reserve, which is not really Federal Reserve, which is not really, I mean, it's really owned by private entities. They're private entities controlling everything. So if you want to go into, you know, conspiracy theory, uh, Federal Reserve is not controlled by government. It's really private individual, some entity that we don't know. Um, so they create, they have the ability to create money. And similarly, every country does the same thing. So the basic now with COVID-19, you know how the government printed all this money and inflation will come, so on and so forth. 
So there's no control. Who's, I mean, there can be infinite amount of money. That means our value is going down every year. And that's the fiat currency. That means it's controlled by central government or the Federal Reserve, and that's fiat. DeFi, which is basically Bitcoin, you know, the top one is basically there's no one person controlling it. And that's why you have this Bitcoin mining, decentralized, distributed blockchain. Essentially, there's no one person can control it. So government can't control it. You know, will it be something we created? I, I don't know. I doubt. It. I, I mean, I'm not. I haven't heard anybody say that that could be done because it's so decentralized. You cannot control it. And that's where the crypto does is move the control out of the government and few select individuals to everybody. Anybody who has a computer, Bitcoin mining, they can mine their own coins. Similar to other cryptos, you know, they, you know, there's two different versions of how you do crypto right now, proof of stake and proof of work, you know, which is Bitcoin is the proof of work, which is more intensive versus proof of stake is a little less intensive and that's where it's heading but that's the thing you know either proof of stake or proof of work it's not being it cannot be controlled by one entity or just few entities yeah i think the decentralized centralized conversation is is one of the most important ones to have when it comes to why bitcoin is so powerful and so different because when i look at like third world countries that might have like weak bank structures or you know whatever like the greatest thing about bitcoin is it can be transferred anywhere in the world without having to go through you know a higher federal central bank within seconds you know like when i wire money from new york to california the money goes from you know jesse up to the federal bank down to the bank in California where Bitcoin is just a straight line. And I don't think people truly grasp like how powerful that is of being like a decentralized currency. And then also your note about inflation and how much money was printed in COVID is, is powerful. I don't know if you've heard this. I read this the other day, though, that uh, 40% of the U.S. dollars in circulation, maybe it's like 35 or something, but were printed in like the last 18 yeah. months. I mean, it's, it's insane. And I don't think people understand that. Like when something like that happens, like you're devaluing the U S dollar by 40%. I mean, all of the people out there who are working jobs, you know, your money is now 40% less valuable and, and it's just crazy, obviously. And correct me if I'm wrong, Raju, I know you and I were discussing it on LinkedIn one day, Bitcoin has a fixed amount of 21 million. Mm -hmm. Is that correct or, or do I misunderstand that? It is. So there, there's a you know further you know explanation needed because I didn't understand that either before, uh, several months before. Now I do. So Bitcoin, you know, each Bitcoin is hundred thousand million Satoshis or something like that. I forgot yeah. that now. I gotta go look it up again. Uh, whatever it is. So, but that's now right now, but you know, or when you know this was created, that there is ability to further divide it into infinity, each Bitcoin. But the number of Bitcoins itself is 21 million. That's limited to 21 million. It can never be, you know, more can be no, cannot be created. That's pretty much the hard limit. And that's why Bitcoin, unlike even gold is more valuable. That's why people are considering it more valuable because that's scarcity. You cannot create more, but at the same time, you can divide each Bitcoin into more. So that way, you know, you can break it down into smaller chunks to make it exchange easier if it were to 
be a currency, but I don't think Bitcoin will be a currency. It'll be a asset. It's just, uh, you know, like gold. You can't go, you know, go to a shop and, you know, give a gold coin or something. And usually, I mean, some people might, you might be able to in some countries or something, but normally you can't, right? So it's, it'll be the similar thing. And, uh, you know, from everybody I've heard, I mean, obviously I'm not their expert, but listening to all the guys I've listened to re reading all these guys, I don't think, yeah, Bitcoin will be a currency, you know, government or whatever. There'll be other currencies perhaps valued against Bitcoin, perhaps. Like right now, the US, well, no other, no country has gold called gold standard, but in the in the past, there was gold standard where they were weighed against the gold. So that's how I think Bitcoin will end up being. It'll be the gold standard. And just like you said, you said it exactly right, that unlike gold, to transfer it, it's easy. You don't have to store it anywhere. And one person cannot control it or one entity cannot control the gold. Yeah, I think I think your note on the supply, the fixed amount of supply is so powerful. And people, like, like you said, um, you know, obviously we can print US dollars forever, but if there's a fixed supply, even if we are able to divide up a Bitcoin into whatever, a thousand Bitcoins or whatever to multiply the supply, it's still just when supply is fixed, the only release valve is price. As long as demand increases, mm -hmm. uh, the price will increase. So that's what's like just so exciting about it. Um, I, last last question, Raju, regarding Bitcoin before I want to hit some mindset and spiritual stuff because I know you love talking that and I have a lot of great questions for you. But last question, I mean, somebody that's listening right now, Raju, who's like, what's the easiest way to get started in Bitcoin? I use Coinbase. And I'll, again, that's probably more beginner level um, novice, I don't know what recommendations you have or what platforms you're on um, to, you know, buy or, or trade Bitcoin or other, you know, Ethereum or other coins. Well, I, I mean, I've used the same thing. I use Coinbase. I've seen other platforms. I haven't tried them. Uh, the only other platform I do is because I did the self-directed IRA and invested. Uh, it's called Erix. That's what the one I invested in was. But eventually I plan to diversify into uh, another platform. I'm looking into it probably next year. I'm going to diversify where I can actually have my own uh, essentially lock on it instead of the platform controlling it and uh, platform wallet controlling it. But everybody's shares by different. But what I would recommend anybody is what I've learned anyway is if you can find the platform that actually gives you the interest the higher the interest it is, the better you you know you, you better it is for you because you can earn interest or you can earn cash flow from it. Um, DeFi, especially there are some DeFi platforms that you can earn. I mean, nine percent, ten percent cash flow. I mean, interest. So that's I mean that there's a lot of options. I mean, again, that's another rabbit hole to go into. So, yeah, yeah, I agree and. I think Coinbase is just super user friendly for maybe the lower level player like myself who some, you know, I've got a couple hundred bucks in it and it's like just to get my feet wet, you know, this quarter, it's very easy to use. I mean, it's in the app store. It's, it's 2021. It's uh, that easy to use, but right. yeah, I was just curious your thoughts on that. And I completely agree. So transitioning now into maybe some more like mindset related spiritual mm -hmm. stuff that I know you love to talk about. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big person when it comes to the morning routine and setting my day off. Right. I'm, I'm curious what you do every day and, and your thoughts on becoming, you know, aligning body and mind to get ready to attack the day. 
Awesome. Yeah, no, I got a huge routine. So my morning starts with, um, actually, I read a book. <laughs> so, in, so I read a personal development book. Uh, after I'm brush my teeth, I'm, you know, people uh, read magazines, maybe in the bathroom, I read personal development books. <laughs> and then, you know, then my next routine is a breathing technique. I usually do Wim Hof, or Soma breathing, I highly recommend. It's been two years, almost two years. This February will be two years. I haven't used, I haven't had, well, I had a cold last December for one day. That was my only sickness. And no, uh, you know, I used to have allergies, abandoned allergy medication, nothing. So it's a combination of breathing meditation technique. That's one. And then I do my exercise and then I get back to a couple of meditation routines. One is normal mindfulness. It depends. I, I, you know, sometimes I'll go different routes. Like recently I tried um, Sadhguru's Isha Kriya, which is a 90 day regimen. So I didn't, I just did once and then said, okay, I'm, I'm going to try it another time because I got to make, I got to maintain the consistency. And then I do a imagination routine which I haven't gotten really good at. That's the one I'm still struggling at so, because some parts I do really well and some parts will, you know, I'll, you know, I'll wander away. The meditation part, when I'm in the mindfulness, I do it pretty well. So, I, you know, it's been three, three and a half years. So now I've gotten to the stage where I actually can do meditation well. Plus there are a couple of other routines I try to do. I go outside after I finish my routine. Uh, stand on the grass bare feet doing grounding it's, it is a very important for people to do grounding if you understand the magnetic field and how it relates to your body so and then uh, at that time I'm also doing a meditation routine in the sense open eyes everything I'm just present being present to what's happening you know trying to listen to what's going noises or feel everything so that's my routine after that, you know, pretty much it's, uh, you know, my work and everything else. So, yeah. And, and we talked about it so much on here that, you know, wealth is so much more than numbers in a bank account somewhere. It is like body being aligned with your mind and, and just being in a state of, you know, fulfillment every single day when, when it does come to that goal setting for you. And I'm a huge believer. I love to visualize. I love positive thought. I'm, I'm a huge, huge believer in the law of attraction that thoughts become things. When it comes to you for goal setting, I'm curious, you know, in any of your personal development, you know, do you work with, you know, positive thought or, you know, thought and magnetic energy or, or what are your kind of ideas when it comes to goal setting? It is. I've, I've, I haven't been great at, uh, you know, putting the dream board. I've, I've, uh, that's one thing I haven't done really well is I've, sometimes I do it. And then like goal setting, I have a whiteboard. I usually, you know, there, there are times I will set up like my daily schedule. And one thing I notice is when I do that, I accomplish everything I do. <laughs> I, I set it up. If I don't do that, then I'm, you know, I'll do like a couple of things, but it's not everything I can do. So that's where I haven't been consistent at, but, you know, I, you know, as far as long-term goals is, goals is concerned, one thing I've learned is I've tried the year-long. I don't think year-long works as well as a short-term goals. 
So I try to stick, I'm trying to stick more with short-term goals, not like, you know, go with this, oh, year I'm going to do this because I've learned through reading this book. I don't know if you read this book, uh, 12 Week Year, Brian Moran's book. Awesome book. Um, I followed because that also coincides with the program I did, coaching program I did, which is basically quarterly planning, quarterly planning, quarterly goal setting, which is much more easier because you can pivot. So that's my, I mean, that's where I think, you know, people should, I found it effective when I did that. It's not that I accomplish 100% of those goals, but at least, you know, it's much more feasible that you can pivot in the middle and do, you know, whatever you can achieve instead of, you know, relying on, okay, I got eight more months, you know, when you start in the year beginning to catch up and then you never catch up. <laughs> it is. It's unfortunately true. I feel like when people set those long-term goals and we hear it all the time, and I know we're recording this two weeks before the new year, there's going to be a lot of, I'm sure, 2022 goals. And I think it's easy to lose sight of those goals, like come, you know, summertime or June, July, uh-huh. but it's so much easier to be like, Hey, from now till whatever, March 1st or April 1st, you know, I am going to lose 15 pounds or I am going to, you know, erase 10% of this debt, like just setting short-term goals that are feasible within the next few months that you're just working and chiseling away at every single day. I 100% agree with you or or just so much more attainable. And it doesn't, it's not like something that's super huge. That's way off in the distance. It's, it's really just right here um, in the foreground. So I I completely agree with that. And I I love that. Um, I've got two more questions before you, as we kind of wrap up here, Raju, I, I appreciate it again. And we asked these to all of our guests, so I, and I'm really interested in what your thoughts are going to be on it. So the first question is, if you could solve any problem in the world, Raju, mm-hmm. what would it be and why? Any problem? I guess, yeah, I, I, I haven't thought about, you know, I haven't thought about one problem. So I, I think of a lot of problems you could solve, but <laughs> I guess I would go with uh, fear the fear of, you know, the fear that, you know, anything, I mean, any, any, the fear that is not real, that stops people. I'm not talking about physical fear, somebody pointing at a gun at you, obviously, that's stupid. Obviously that is fear, you know, it's a physical harm. But we're talking about fear. I mean, I can go into COVID-19 and all that stuff. I mean, people are, are frozen by fear and don't do anything and whatever they want to do, because fear will control them. And I mean, I'm telling myself, you know, at times it does control me too, because it's an automatic, because it's, you know, whatever programming you have comes through. And that's the fear. Like somebody said something and you don't even realize, you know, that has stuck in your mind now and the subconscious. So that's where I, I mean, if I could change something, yeah, that would be the one like, hey, how you can go beyond your fear and do things that you never thought you could, because I've done things I never thought I could, because I'm, I'm an example of that, you know, like I'm an IT guy, very introverted. Now nobody thinks I'm an introverted guy. And I've done cold calling, which would have been like, I would have probably shot myself before did a cold calling, but I've done it really well too. So, <laughs> um, so, you know, yeah, that's the thing. If people realize if, you decide somebody decides they want something bad they can overcome any fear 
um, that would be the thing. I, I love that. And I'm just going to go back to the intro I wrote. I said, Wealth Science, I'm bringing you just a kind, authentic human being. And that was just like a kind, authentic answer in one sentence and one of the most unique ones we've had. And I agree. I don't know if people are really aware, Raju, of how much they can accomplish if they just cared, you know, stopped caring about what other people thought or just, you know, erased and I know this is kind of like easier to probably just hand wave, but just erase that inner fear or maybe that inner anxiety. And I know that's difficult to do. And I'm not saying it's it easy, but uh, it's not easy. And I know there are people that that struggle with it and I struggle with it in my own personal life. But I, I would just say to anybody, I don't think they, anyone knows what they're truly capable of until mm -hmm. they try and just give it, you know, give it a hundred percent. If I'm, I'm going to put a hundred percent into this goal for the next 30 days or the next 90 days, like we we're talking before, what they could accomplish is, is pretty fascinating. Even when I look at being 26 years old and where I've scaled this to in such a short period of time, it's, it's been really exciting. So long story short, Raju, phenomenal answer. I appreciate that. Last question I have for you. Um, Raju Dotla is living the perfect life. What does it look like? There's no perfection. It's the life you live and you make it perfect the way it is. So there is no, I mean, you do what you do and you achieve what you achieve and you made a decision what you wanted to achieve or what, what you wanted to do. And that's what it is. And you just have to, I mean, I personally think that's just staying in the present and being happy with whatever is achieved because that's what you wanted to achieve. So yeah, there's no perfect life because perfection is, Brene Brown said it well, when people think about perfection, they think it's like, oh, like achieving something. No, normally people think, you know, it is about looking good, you know, that kind of deal, which I was, I used to be the perfectionist, always afraid of doing, you know, not, not being out there because I wanted to be perfect, do everything perfectly, which was foolish. So yeah, uh, for me, it is living how it is, you know, living my life, making it, you know, whatever decisions I made at the moment is right. You can't look back and say, you know, that, hey, you know, I did something imperfectly. Yeah, I did whatever I did, you know, just go for it, you know, just go for it. If you fail, you fail. I love that. And just two, just, just two extremely just spiritual answers that, that are just phenomenal. And I, I appreciate it again. You, you coming on Raju has been just a, a breath of fresh air. I should describe it as having you here with me tonight. So I, I appreciate it again. Your, your answers were incredible and, and taking time out of your busy schedule. And I, I just find it funny how you used to be an introvert and now you're a podcast host YouTuber, cold caller, real estate investor, tax deeds, crypto, everything. It's crazy what people can accomplish. So I, I find that super fascinating. But Raju, people who want to hear more about you, who love your story, are inspired, you know, what are the best platforms to reach you on? I've already mentioned a couple of them already, but what's the best way for people to follow up with you after the show? Pretty much LinkedIn would be the best. I love to connect with people. And if I can provide value to anyone, always love to do that. And uh, I'm on Instagram too, but mostly I'm just posting stuff. So yeah, I, you can reach out on Instagram too, but LinkedIn is the best one for, uh, you know, for people to reach out to me if they want to talk to me or if they, if I, if they think I can help them. So 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I, I appreciate your time and just your, your answers tonight were, were incredible. And, and you're, you are probably the most spiritual person we've ever had on the show. Even when I'm looking at all the people I've interviewed on my notepad here, it's like you, you set the standard for that. And it was, it was an awesome time. I appreciate it. And no doubt that this is going to add a ton of value to a lot of people out there. So thank you again for coming on. Thank you, Jesse. I mean, you're you're awesome, man. You, you, you know, there's a saying, people see in others what, what is a reflection of themselves. So what you're saying about me is a reflection of you. Raju, thank you, brother. I appreciate it and have a great rest of your night. You too, thank you. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Wealth Science Podcast. Take some time to subscribe and leave us a review. It really is the basis that helps us continue to bring on amazing guests each week. We have another incredible story to share next week, and I'm certain it's going to add value to this community. Please do not hesitate to reach out if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey of attaining financial freedom. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.